0: Hello, and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Carolyn Dunnehoo, and I bring my cat in a handbag into nightclubs. Joining me, who knows the precise location of those Yale plates, it's Diana Reed. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for bringing this amazing topic to the podcast. I couldn't be more excited, more trepidatious, or have more on the table with this. Oh,
1: good. Yeah, I also am so invested. Yeah. I am obsessed with Caroline Calloway, which is
0: exactly how she wants it. It's exactly how she wants <laughs> it, precisely. Um, so of all the things that you could have brought Sentimental Garbage, why Caroline Calloway? Um,
1: that's a good question. I think she is so... Um, I think she is always changing mm-hmm. and that makes her so watchable because... I think she's a genuinely unpredictable public mm. figure and I also think that she is I think that she is someone who is very conscious of how women are coded in the public eye and I think she's very playful with that and she's always subverting our expectations about what kind of public figure she is and I think that is a very sentimental garbage vibe. Like totally. how people define themselves in
0: relation to broader cultural narratives. Totally. That's that's interesting you say that because I, I read some review like Caroline Calloway, I'm also self obsessed. It's a real Caroline trait. Yeah. I read a review somebody wrote about the podcast, it's and someone said that it's a podcast about the stories women tell themselves. And I think Caroline Calloway is a is a story we tell ourselves in a way. Yeah, and
1: I think she's aware of that too. Like, I think she is consciously performing different tropes and changing them up, and always trying to um, make us aware of the ways that we make assumptions about women and how we, yeah, the narratives that we use to understand them.
0: Yeah, totally. And. It's funny because when I was making the notes for this episode and it's you know there's a there's an extensive timeline that we will go through so anybody who is not totally sure about the story or who this person is we will really get into it but it felt to me that as I was going through it all this story that is made up of essentially non-events totally non-events like you know kind of like friendship betrayals and also like non-events that are little like throw rugs that are thrown over huge events like for example this is a person who's like father died in a horrific way and she sort of like tucks that very neatly under this like cheap Indian throw that is <laughs> that is her friendship breakup with somebody we've never met and we'll never hear of outside of this context yeah, you know
1: absolutely and I think even that whole thing of um, like female frenemies it sort of was having such a cultural moment at the time when yeah. it first came to light and I feel like now we've moved on and Caroline Calloway is right there with us and she she too is like reanalyzing how we interpret that dynamic and, yeah, I feel like the narr- she's kind of in control of these narratives that we are trying to put onto her.
0: Yes. Do you know what yes. I mean? It's like, we,
1: it's like we think that we're the ones dissecting her but she's always one step ahead of us.
0: Totally, and all, yeah, and like I remember the first sort of paradigm shift <laughs> within the there within the Callowayverse.
1: Literally, that's exactly it. Like, um, she, it's like she's scripting the whole thing, and we're watching it in real time, thinking that it's reality TV, but it's
0: scripted, you know? Yeah, exactly. But there's, but she is the producer, the director, the writer, uh, exactly. and everything. Yeah. And, it, you know, we'll get into all the sort of many paradigm shifts as we go through the chronology. But it strikes me, I, I... You know when the Kardashians started getting really, really famous? Yes. And their defenders, of which there are many, and many of them have, like, you know, pitched themselves through this show. But for me, it's like, I feel like there's too much Kardashians out there for me to even begin to dissect that meal. And I also, I find them boring. Like, right. I, It's like, I, I find it interesting that, like... We used to have this framework for fame and notoriety that was: if you are a really good singer, or a really good actor, or really good at at being really good looking, yeah, <laughs> um, or these like there's this set sort of thing of like, then we will allow you to be famous, whether you want to or not. It doesn't matter if you like were in some crazy drama school and you live for your craft and you don't care about fame. We'll make you famous if you're good looking enough, and we will comb through your garbage. And in the last. Sort of fifteen to twenty years through social media, this new kind of fame has emerged, where people have sort of said, "We will be the human shield that lies between the public and Meryl Streep." Yeah, it's <laughs> so true.
1: What's well, that famous for being famous? Thing? Famous for being famous, which yeah. I don't think is a negative thing because if someone's good at it, let them do it. Let them do it. Yeah, and like I think um, so I think that's what I love about Caroline Galloway is that I think she's really expanding the way that we think about memoirists because obviously. I mean, we'll get into it in the chronology. She does have conventional memoirs that she's published, but I think she said somewhere that Instagram has made us all memoirists. Mm. And so it's like I love that idea that her, um, the sort of divide between the artist and the cultural products they produce Mm. has just totally evaporated and she is the cultural product. And by living her life, she is like just by existing, she's creating art and by documenting her own existence, whether it be in like an Instagram story or a more conventional book it's all part of the act do you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. there's no there's sort of like yeah there's no fault line between like the author and the text it's just all the same right like she is the art
0: and and like you could you could sort of say that about anybody who's like selling a book and also on instagram but yeah. with her it's like she's she is creating these dramas and you know she's fanning the flames of these dramas all the time and and She's making the art the these activities just interesting enough for them to be just sort of snackable and delicious. <laughs> yeah, you know? like you don't feel guilty for yeah. like getting yeah. You don't feel guilty
1: for sort of bitching about the fact that her like online creative writing workshop didn't come off.
0: Yeah, because it's
1: like that's so low stakes. Whereas if it was like a genuine tragedy, you wouldn't. Yeah, it
0: wouldn't be delicious, as you say. Exactly, and it's like it's like all these like little. Beads of nothing like creative workshops that don't work out, like paying your friend to write your Instagram captions, that these tiny little beads that you just put on the string and none of them by themselves are anything. But then you're like, Oh, what a lovely necklace! Yeah,
1: I don't, I don't agree though that you could say that of anyone who is like an artist and has social media. I like, I think that a lot of people consciously resist it. Mm. Like, I feel like I I mean, I don't have like a big public following at all, but as an author who also has social media, I very consciously resist it. Like Mm -hmm. I'm always like the book is the product and this is the news about the book Mm -hmm. and you don't know anything about me from having Mm -hmm. read the book necessarily. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Caroline is kind of showing us another way, which is... And I think for me the instinct to separate the two is this idea that if I separate them, I'll somehow lose control Mm. and that, like, I will... The narrative of, like, who I am will be written by the public, which is obviously such a paranoid thing when I don't really have a public, but... um, You have a public. Yeah, well, like... Yeah, but, I mean, it's not... it's not. I'm not trying to draw an equivalence, um, but I feel like with Caroline she shows that you can she Caroline can be the art and still be totally in control Mm. like I think that she the way that people talk about her and the way that people perceive her is exactly how she wants it to be Mm. and I basically think she's scamming us all the time yeah and I think that she there is like a real Caroline Calloway who she's who is like kept tucked away somewhere
0: yeah
1: and she
0: is not showing it deliberately I don't think who she knows who that is though Oh, you don't think she knows? No, I don't. Oh, okay, And this is this is why I think that she is, and she makes me think so much about. She has this, this quote that I think about near constantly, mm-hmm. which is in the most recent Vanity Fair long read where she, the the journalist is sort of. Uh, questioning her about not paying her rent oh, in New I, York
1: sorry when you started that sentence yeah. I was like I really hope it's the same quote because me and my friends say this to each other every I day say should it we myself. say it together yes one
0: so <laughs> <One. laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get go, the on but okay it's like it, it girls are startups, startups and startups need, need funding. funding
1: yes it- amazing it's incredible. <laughs> I just knew that was. I was like, yeah. it has to be that quote.
0: It's been going it's so good round and round in my head yeah. ever since it came out, and I think and and that um, quote has made me think about it girls in general mm. through the ages, like starting from like Clara Bow, going up to like the Andy Warhol sort of phase of E.D. Sedgwick, and then even more recently with like Alexa Chung and Sienna Miller um, of like. The thing about them is that they have this intangible quality that is not necessarily connected to talent, even though they may have some. Mm. It's not why people love them. It's like they are when they it's like those people who are like incredibly photogenic, but for their entire personality, it's like when they step in front of a camera or speak into a microphone, this this something of this kind of barrel of charisma comes shooting out and I think they don't understand it either.
1: Oh, I see. So that's why you think she doesn't really know who she. I think she right? knows that
0: it exists, but she. I think I don't know. She. I don't think she knows who she is when she's alone.
1: Really. Yeah. So do you think? Yeah, because I. I suppose this is why I find her trajectory fascinating. Because I wonder if when you decide to sell, when you decide that the product is you and that mm-hmm. the business is your personality and your X factor and whatever that magic quality is. Mm. Do you think you create, like, do you think that's like this Faustian pact that you make that means that you lose your sense of self? Or do you think the kinds of people who look for that dynamic are ones who don't know who they are outside the spotlight to begin with?
0: That's such an interesting question. And I think... I think there, for sure, are people. I I call this the sort of. I think I've spoken about the podcast before. It's called like the laser pointer theory. Okay. <laughs> where, where the people who are like the most, particularly women, uh-huh. in the public eye, because I think you know, men can just be like, "I'm Chris Pine and I'm on the cover of Men's Health with my wrinkles in black and white mm. and I'm a real guy." Um, and that's a, that exi- that exists separately for men, but I also think they are limited by how straightforward they sort of have to be kind Mm. of thing. I mean, straight men in the public eye. I think for very famous women, they need to have this version of themselves that exists without them. That like, if you think about like Dolly Parton Mm. or Mariah Carey, or just kind of outsized figures who are and share, like people who have been able to exist for a really long time, they have this like, version of themselves that's like that a child could draw that says sassy things and comes out every few years with an album and like says all the right things and hits their mark or whatever and that is like it's like a laser pointer they're shining through a fog over their shoulder while they have their real life while they hang out with their grandkids while they talk to their gardener while they like you watch tv you know and that and i think that's a separate person and those that divide happens over over like decades generally of like someone being very famous for a very long time I think when you start pursuing fame for one's own sake just fame for like I want to be this memoirist I want to be this Cambridge girl and now I want to be this sort of like slutty party girl and now yeah. I want to be this girl I think it's I think it does come from a sense of like who am I when I'm alone
1: Yeah, Which I find compelling
0: and beautiful. It's very Edie Sedgwick, you know?
1: Well, it's also so human, right? Yeah. Like, I think everybody finds it really hard to separate their, like, intrinsic self-worth from external validation. And that's, I guess, these are people just performing that kind of psychodrama on a global scale. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's so,
1: yeah. I, I do think as well, I thought it was so, to your point about... People who kind of like cultivate such a brand that they can kind of just like wheel the brand out. And it's, yeah, deb- while
0: well, the real them is still at home in a sense. Yeah. You know?
1: I thought it was so interesting that she, um, so she did this like big Vanity Fair profile where yeah. the It Girls a Startups thing comes from. And she'd obviously, it was, the, the photo shoot was done in her home, mm. and so I don't know if a photographer like helped stage it, but I assume she was influential in the staging. Mm. And one of the books she had on her desk obviously like blew up the pictures really big and like zoomed in, as she intended. Um, and one of the books on her desk was The Secret History by Donna Tartt, mm-hmm. and I thought that was such a... An interesting choice because I think.
0: And you know it was a choice as well. Well, I'm I'm assuming it was. Yeah, well, everything everything is a
1: planted, deliberate choice. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a whole stack, and everything else was a memoir Mm. except for Eleanor Franti, who is anonymous, which is a very different vibe. She's Mm -hmm. like a famously anonymous novelist. And then the other one was Donna Tartt, who I think is such a good example of that laser theory. Like yeah. she has been in the public eye for 30 years and she has basically worn the same outfit mm. that entire time, mm-hmm. which is like crazy mm. for a novelist yeah. who doesn't need to have a brand really.
0: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, In like, like Don Tart's decision to not have a brand, it is a brand because she's so private. She so has private. this, like, this yeah. beautiful slick black bob, that, that, that sort of very tailored suit, that beautiful like Holly Hunter southern accent. Yes. Her accent is mad like i sorry i know people speak like that but
1: um, like <laughs> it sounds like a character like yeah i think she's, her reading
0: the secret history on audio is just yeah a treat of like all
1: she doesn't look like a real person and i think yeah. that's just how she wants it and mm-hmm. i think that that creates it generates its own intrigue because it's like they've created this walking fiction yeah. and then you're always scrabbling to be like but who's the real donna tart right. and i think Caroline perhaps has some of that quality she's obviously so much more of an oversharer but I think because she's so obvious about the fact that she's always performing it makes you like it's like why fiction's interesting in the first place always because you're like how much is real and how much is performed and like I think if you felt like you were getting the real Caroline at any given point it wouldn't be that interesting because you just be like okay well that's a woman who wants attention
0: it's so funny before we started recording this podcast you said isn't it gonna be weird because your name is also caroline oh yeah And i was like it it won't be weird and now you're saying caroline is just someone who wants attention i'm like oh god (laughs) this is weird (laughs) that's why she only does podcasts about people also called caroline (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's like um it's a very villainous name you know it's uh, a there's very few wholesome carolines around (laughs)
1: that's true and with the um Yeah, with the alliteration of Calloway as well, which is a name she chose for herself.
0: Yeah. Yes. I think it is in her name, isn't it? Was it like Gottlieb or something?
1: Yeah, I think she she had a double barrel and she cut the bit that wasn't alliterative or something.
0: Yeah. I mean, good choice. All great choices. All great choices.
1: But yeah. Sorry, I lost the thread. What were we talking about?
0: It's, I feel like we've started at the end, in a way. We've started oh, yeah. with the, like, here's our deep, like, Roland Barthes, death of the author, Caroline Calloway theories. But, like, I'm kind of conscious there might be people out there who are like, who the fuck is Caroline Calloway? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, well, like, yeah. she's developed such an incredible public persona. And <laughs> yeah. like, I've never heard of her. <laughs> you, there's, there's really, there's, with Caroline Calloway, you either know absolutely nothing or everything. There is yeah. no in-between sort of knowing. Like, the way I've ambiently, for example, collected information about the Kardashians without one to yes um you can't really do that with caroline calloway you're either all in or you're all out yeah so shall we shall we do it first of all a log line of who caroline calloway is and then we will delve into the chronology of how it got that way so in the simplest possible terms who is caroline calloway caroline calloway is a
1: former influencer now memoirist Mm -hmm. i would say yes
0: yeah sure That's it. That's the end. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That if we were to take like (laughs) the the absolute job title down, yeah, which is like that is it. That is a million chicks. (laughs) Totally. That's all of us. Yeah. (laughs) That's all of us (laughs) in a sense. Yeah. Um, So how she became one of the most famous memoirists of our generation, I would say, and this kind of like person who's constantly being covered in. You know New York Times and Vanity Fair, to the point where her ex friends can write long essays about her and they can be the trending thing on the cut for like a month um we will get into now great we're gonna we're gonna start at the very beginning in twenty twelve <laughs> where Caroline Calloway is a student at n y u she joins Instagram she makes an account called Adventuregrams now this is the very beginning this is where. Um you know it, Instagram is in its infancy, it takes terrible photographs with horrible filters on them the no one really knows how powerful it is yet I feel like twenty twelve this I was um starting work as a social media manager at this time oh wow i was twenty two and my social media management mostly consisted of me managing like the detal and Lemsip Facebook page <laughs> and like posting a picture of like a cat with a with a, with a a Lemsip box and being like, like if you like cats. And then that was kind of it. And it was like, that's how you got 500,000 followers. And that was me doing a good job. okay And it was like, it was a crazy, it was, we didn't know. We were like, just been gifted fire with social media and particularly social media on our phones. But Caroline is younger than me, I think. She's about three years younger than me. So she's got to be in her late teens. She's at NYU. And she immediately sees the promise of Instagram and she buys followers which like people do a lot now and really familiar with that as a as a tool but wasn't a thing then yeah
1: it's interesting part of her law kind of which you'll get to is Mm -hmm. that um she bought followers like when yeah like I feel like when it all came crumbling down for her which mm-hmm. we will get to. Mm. That was part of the reason she was criticised. Like people were like, "Oh, well, her followings fake. She bought followers." Yeah. Whereas now I feel like it's just a shrewd business decision, and um yeah. it's not like I don't think people would bat an eyelid at that.
0: Yeah, it's like yeah, she so she's like forty thousand as a sort of startup kind <laughs> of. Again, this is her <laughs> funding her startup. She's funding her startup. Yeah, yeah. and it, you know it cost her ten dollars or whatever. And I also, when I was working in this, you know, social media marketing, I remember doing this also, where I would um. Make fake blogs written by fake people in order to promote brands. You scammer I'm a scammer. And so I did it for you're a liar. I'm a <laughs> liar and I did it for sixteen thousand pounds a year. Oh. In this fucking city, in a recession, and how much
1: did Caroline Calloway do it for? I know.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I I still have no cons consensus of like how much money she even. Has. The figures that are thrown around are all
1: enormous. <laughs> they're not right? in the order of yeah. They've they've got more zeros on them on the end than that.
0: Yeah, but I I would like buy um, Tumblr followers for fake blogs. I would write for brands, and then the the idea was those blogs would then link to the homepage, and that would make the homepage go further up the Google rankings. Uh, okay, and like. It was a terrible job. (laughs) I'm sorry, condolences. But this, 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 this gram is all about like, you don't have to be, you know, a rich girl or whatever to have the most incredible life. You can, you can do whatever. And it's like this kind of genre of internet person. Like It makes me think of, you know, that viral photo series from a few years ago where it's like a girl and her, ha- she's walking into like a beautiful beach or a beautiful landscape and her hand is behind you. Her, yes. And she's like, the photo is like she's reaching you. out, but she's leading you. And like th- that is like what this was in a nutshell. I think it, I think the best way to describe it probably is basic. like Basic, it, yeah. yeah like basic
1: luxury. It was, yeah, it was basic luxury and it was like all, all the kind of content that we would now cringe at. Yeah, it yeah. was like pictures of it was like flat layers of food and mm-hmm. um, like like I think she her biggest one was like a picture like macarons. an arrow shot of macarons. <laughs> yeah, and it was all like very sincere, like life's an adventure if only you open your eyes. <laughs> kind of like yeah, it was like it, the vibe of it was very the same kind of people who would have live laugh love.
0: Yes, you know. Yes, it's definitely a live laugh love girly vibe. Yeah. The following year, Caroline is accepted. Cambridge University, she moved to England. She starts posting long Instagram captions about her life there. And this is where it starts to go off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Although, I, th- I think this is a continuation of the same basic brand. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't say go- actually, it goes off so much later on. It's a continuation of the same basic brand, you're right.
1: Yeah, and um, I think that in that Vanity Fair piece that clearly is burned into our brains forever, mm-hmm. um, the journalist described it as like Emily in Paris, but Emily in Paris hadn't been invented yet. So it's like yeah. American girl mm-hmm. in European quaint
0: environs and everyone is so charmed by her (laughs) exactly yeah and it's like gosh i went to this castle and i'm at this ball and yeah it's all the the ivy strewn campus it's like i don't think we really have ivy strewn campuses every year
1: yeah and it's like all these british men are like wow this kooky american girl who's so forthright with her feelings is so charming like yeah it's sort of what i mean i yeah i guess it's what carrie bradshaw thought would happen in paris
0: Right. 100% it's what Carrie Bradshaw (laughs) thought would happen in Paris. Um, Something we skipped over possibly in the NYU year, because what happens is she has a freshman year at NYU and then she redoes her freshman year at Cambridge because according to Natalie, she couldn't... Uh, go through her life with an NYU email address.
1: Yeah, I don't really know what that means. It must be an American thing.
0: No, I I think it's her thing. I think NYU is obviously a very prestigious university wherever you are. But I think what's really clear about Caroline from, as as like a basic character sketch, is that she is an old-fashioned esthete.
1: So, but do people use their college email addresses in later life?
0: They do, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, I still use Hotmail,
1: so clearly I'm not um, self-curating
0: <laughs> rigorously enough. I do know people who, like, went to fancy universities, and it's actually, it's almost, like, drilled into you at some of them, being, like, the, like for all the money you pay to be here, the most valuable thing you will have is your email address. Right. So, like, keep it for the rest of your life.
1: Oh, okay. So that I guess it's a networking thing.
0: It's a networking thing, okay. yeah. Totally, For if you th- care about that kind of thing. But, like, it's the... To 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 not you know not even do your senior year or whatever or like do a masters in Cambridge or whatever but to like repeat your freshman year totally.
1: Also, NYU sounds fine. It's I mean I'm sure it's, it's great <laughs> great you know yeah. <laughs> like I, I mean th- I'm in, am I easily impressed? That sounds prestigious to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally, but like it's just it's like the idea of this like very British European sort of Peter Pan collar you know moleskin sort of life that's so appealing but when she was at NYU she meets Natalie Beach in a creative nonfiction writing class and very romantically their names are sort of next to each other on the roster Calloway and Beach so it meant that I mean this is this is the lore whether this is this is the lore it's been fueled by I can't even remember which one of them said this that um, they would share their work at the beginning of the and because they're both near the top of the alphabet Beach goes first Calloway goes second and so their writing started being kind of a response to one another and it gets they get become very close, they respect each other's gifts very much. Um, Calloway is described as being somebody who like has never heard of Laurie Moore but can like recite Chaucer, you know? and like has incredible boobs and doesn't need a bra like all, yeah. all this stuff long blonde hair whereas Natalie in her own sort of estimation in the essay that comes many years later is like oh i well, a short little nerd
1: I think she said the, yeah I went back and read this essay in that essay in preparation for this podcast I um, read it on the train over yep um, I think she summarized it's, she just summarized it in like the first line she says Caroline was everything I wasn't mm-hmm. which I think is such a common sentiment that young women feel I mean I think that's why um their friendship has resonated with so many people. Because I think mm. most women would have another woman in their life who they think is the embodiment of all the things they'll never be.
0: Exactly. And um I think what even though Natalie Beach is like a, a sharp writer, um what she kind of fails to understand in that very long essay that took her apparently six months to write. Yeah,
1: uh, should we do the essay now? No, we'll, Let's get, we'll, keep going well when to we the get technology. to the essay, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um that she does understand that when so- when you meet somebody who's nothing, everything that you're not, it goes both ways. It means you are everything that they are not. Yes. So like you can tell that Natalie has this kind of like almost Winona Ryder kind of like short dark hair, sort of intellectualism, this sort of slightness. She's apparently kind of an athlete. She's very strong and very leadership oriented, according to Calloway. And it's like, yeah, that that work- that dynamic works both ways. Totally. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I have so much to say about that dynamic. Should we do it now? Should we yeah. It? Okay. Go for it. Yeah. I just think it's such a, I, I almost think it's a rite of passage in girlhood. And I, I sort of do think it's something you hopefully grow out of this, like using other women as tools to measure yourself against. Mm. And it's. Um, My first book was about – it was a novel about this exact same dynamic. Mm. And I think that at the end of the day, it just means that you're not seeing the other person as a real person with their own hang-ups and problems because you're – like, they're this walking projection of all your insecurities. Mm. And I think it's so – I think it's so common. um, But I think it's also very common to then – like, because this person represents all your insecurities – to hate them, because and it's yeah. and what you're really doing is you're self-loathing, and so it's not actually about them at all. Yeah, and it's so interesting because yeah, as I say, my first book tracked a very similar dynamic. It was like mm. two very smart girls. One um, is conventionally beautiful, and the other one is kind of in her thrall and sort of mm-hmm. blames her for everything that goes wrong. And at like book signings and stuff. So many women say to me, Oh, I had mm. a friend like that. Mm. But nobody ever thinks that they're the Caroline figure. Yes. Everybody identifies with Natalie. Yes. And I just think that's so, um, I just think it says something about the way women are positioned to understand themselves always in competition. Do you know what I
0: mean? 100%. You're absolutely correct. And it's. Um... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it also, it makes me think about as women, particularly as young women. Like, I remember, um, like, traveling in a group of friends as a 20 year old for example going to Spain on our holidays or whatever mm. and being so even though I loved these girls and I would call them my sisters and we'd all sort of fall asleep spooning each other in a row of five or whatever yeah, it Sounds quite sapphic <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's actually a lesbian gothic uh, Yeah, <laughs> um, That's a Caroline reference That's a Caroline reference the real heads now um, <laughs> um, Still going out to the club that night after these days of like intense sort of like Rat King sisterness, mm. um, and and having such a clear idea of our ranking attractiveness wise, where I fell within it, and mm. like if we were you know four or five girls and there was three guys, and feeling like well who's how is this going to get divvied up, and people sort of like bowing out or withdrawing because they knew they didn't really feature in the sort of top lineup, and like we're so, and even if these things aren't true, even if like. Mm a group of guys are just seeing a group of attractive girls and they want to party with them. The The psychological reordering that happens in that moment is so intense it's for young so women. It's so true.
1: And you're so right. Men are so much more oblivious. Oh, yeah. Like straight men, I do think as a generalization, are probably more oblivious. Like I think the social accounting that women go through is so micro. Like I yes. remember when I was a very young woman being like, oh, well, so-and-so is beautiful, but she wears more makeup than someone else who's, like, also beautiful. And it's like no man ever would look at those two women and, like, kind of do that really granular accounting. But, yeah, I think it's – I just think it's a really common experience of, like, growing up as a woman. And I I do think – like, I'm obviously not of the school that's, like – oh, anytime a woman criticizes another woman, that's, like, anti-feminism. <laughs> There's like, a that's... special
0: place in hell. <laughs> yeah, like, no.
1: Well, like, I'm right there. I'm, like, I'm in hell. <laughs> yeah, I'm in hell. and That's where I want to be. <laughs> so I don't want to be like, oh, like, anytime you criticize someone, it's, it's just a projection of your own insecurities. I, yeah. like, absolutely don't think that's the case. But I do think in these examples, it is so to do with, like, women trying to understand themselves and understand their power in the world. Mm. And I think that in especially when you're younger and maybe it's more sort of you're finding your sexuality and so maybe your attractiveness is like more central to your exploration of your own power because yes like I do think that there's this sense that the world that heterosexual social worlds are rigged and they Mm. are um and beautiful people will always win and I think it's easier for women to like resent the ones who are winning rather Mm. than resenting the system at large that's
0: you're very good oh <laughs> thank you <laughs> very good I'm very glad you're here and I hope you calm on again because I can already tell oh my god this is a real walloper um, <laughs> um, but it's so interesting because I, I, I think about this a lot of um, the the 20s the early 20s as primarily being an identification of unfairnesses. Mm. And I think that can that manifests in different people in different ways because essentially you're out on your own. You're you got your job, you, you got your first job in an office probably, you're um, bumping up against people who are older, more powerful, some of them fair, some of them unfair. Um you're interacting with the world in a new way. And I think also because you're such a baby all of these unfairnesses feel very pointed at you. Yes. And I think for some people, I mean, we always, there's always kind of this cliche of like, oh, you know, Gen Z's or Gen Alpha or whatever, they're so uh, into Marxism kind of Mm. thing and they're all about justice. theory, yeah. But it's like, that's that's 22 year olds, you know, like, because you're so, you're you're so unused to things being unfair. Totally. Because things up till now, I mean, obviously everyone has degrees of unfairness in their life growing up, but it's like, you study for the test, you get a good grade on the test, you're given praise for doing well on the test, you are then put it to the higher class, you then have better chances kind of yep. thing. It's all quite linear and, and fair. And then you, yeah, again, you experience the unfairness of the wider world. And I think attractiveness is probably one of the first ways women experience unfairness and therefore yes. demonize it.
1: It's so true. And I think the, uh, yeah, and I also think that the the role of attractiveness is probably inflated when you're young and basically the kind of new life experiences that you're having are really around, like, sexual freedom and, like, coming into your sexuality. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think that when you get to the workplace maybe and you have, like, a real job or even when you're, like, applying for real jobs, that's when you start thinking more about class and, like, because at that point the things that you want to do Mm. are, like, have this job or impress these people. But Mm. when you're, like, 18, the thing you want to do is take that person home at a club. And so, like, the type of... Un- like the, the ways in which your opportunities are limited kind of do coalesce around attractiveness in a way that mm. they probably don't for the rest of your life. Like attractiveness mm-hmm. obviously is always important, but I think it seems like it's of outsized importance yeah. when you're all of an age where like you're coming into your sexual selves.
0: You couldn't pay me to go back there. Oh. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, it's because so then you, you hit like twenty three and like you learned who you are and you like find your kind of basic, your demographic of people who you want to have sex with and want to have sex with you yeah. and you learn what the codas are around them and you're like I am killing it within the, with these these people <laughs> <Pretty>. <laughs> you know
1: and it just like matters so much less like yeah yeah I think um I like I remember when I was younger being so fixated on women who I thought were really beautiful like Mm. I was just so fascinated I was like god what would your life be like and like now I'm just like that's awesome for you and like it's a pleasure to look at your face like that's great I'm so thrilled that you're totally but But yeah yeah like I think um and it's so interesting reading Natalie's cut piece where she talks about men treat Caroline differently and Mm. it really is like a treatise on pretty privilege and um It's like, it's interesting reading it having gotten over that obsession.
0: Totally, Because you're
1: just like, because I remember what that felt like. And I'm like, yeah, it does seem like the whole world is just like plain girls versus the pretty ones.
0: (laughs) But it's it's, it's, it's like, it's, I mean, we should move on, but it's like such an insane... Way to view the world and to sort of view the central activities of your life, because there will always be someone plainer than you. There will totally. always be someone prettier than you. This people who are far prettier than Caroline Calloway. You know, it's yeah. like it's it's very interesting. And I, yeah,
1: I think that's what I mean. Like when you, as you like, grow up in life, I, I sound so patronizing. Like I do relate mm-hmm. to that view so much, so I don't want to seem like I'm above it. But yeah, I just think as life gets more complicated and dramatic, other things come into the mix, and so mm. it's like it's just not the whole the cornerstone of your self-worth anymore. Like, it's always yeah. a factor. But, yeah, I um, the last thing I'll say on it is that I um, obviously, like, thought about this dynamic a lot when I was writing my first book. And mm-hmm. um, I read, like, one of my favourite Australian authors is Helen Garner. And um, she wrote this non-fiction book about... A very similar dynamic, which was like hot girl playing best friend, mm-hmm. hot girl murders her boyfriend in cold blood, uh-huh. and playing girls the accessory. Uh-huh. And this was a nonfiction book about a real murder. That oh happened. my god! Wow, yeah, it's awesome. It's called Jo Chinque's Consolation. It is chilling stuff. That's great. It's it's so good, and it's um and so the murder happened in the nineties. She wrote this in the two thousands, and it's just the exact same dynamic, mm. like the way. She writes about it, is about, like, I think, wait, I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah, she says, um, can I just read it? Because it's like exactly what, like, I just loved it as well that it came up in such a sinister context and Mm. like so different. She says, One girl is wild, bossy, selfish, flaring with hormones, crackling with sexual thrill and careless of risk, but still dependent on the ballast provided by her companion, who is prim and cautious. Not yet at the mercy of her body, one foot still planted in the self-containment of girlhood. They need each other, and yet it is a relationship that benefits both partners. It would be hard to say at its height whose power is greater.
0: Oh, that's really something! Isn't
1: that just Caroline and Natalie? Like yeah. it's the same dynamic,
0: and it's all—it's all the dynamics. It's all of them. All <laughs> yeah. women, which is why we're—you know—this <laughs> this, this, this <laughs> happened. This, this, it's all women. <laughs> we speak for all of them, but it's why we're like sitting in a podcast, studio talking about now. Even though this like thing—the central drama. Started in 2012 and was written about in 2018, and it's now 2023. <laughs> you Completely. know, and
1: yeah, and I think it's like that dynamic is just going to be acted out over and over and over again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes so with these two people, you with know, these two
1: people, and yeah, and like you might, and in some relationships you'll be the Natalie, and in some relationships you'll be the Caroline, yeah. and you should you
0: should both know. Who, that, who you are, and also move on from it. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on with the timeline. We should move on, yeah. Okay, so um, between 2014 and 2016, big movement for Caroline. Um, she reaches 200,000 followers on Instagram. They're real followers. Go get your bag, girl. And, <laughs> um, and uh, she's, you know, uh, really cresting the wave of what is the first sort of big influencer movement I think Um, and you know the kind of thing of like someone who goes on a trip to Italy and has to spend several days of that trip taking pictures of themselves in different outfits making it look like they had a beautiful time Mm. for them if you're Caroline that probably does fold into the wider experience of it being a good time and it's a bit like you know doing emails on the morning of your work trip right but for influencers it's a different thing and regular people and the world at large find that I think we've all internalized it as normal now but it was incredibly fucked up back then it felt fucked up you know yeah I
1: think it felt like not a
0: real job
1: like I think it still
0: barely feels like a real job but you know like yeah yeah.
1: I think people felt like it was um somehow fake or like you Mm -hmm. were manipulating people or Mm -hmm. you were I mean scamming it was kind of like well if you went on a holiday and you staged that photo then Yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, I think people were quite sort of suspicious of it and, like, what it would do to... It seemed like corrupting.
0: Corrupting. That's such a good word for it. There there was definitely that era of, like, the proliferation of... Very young people as influencers just being beautiful and having a nice time. And and, and also, it's like this kind of um, frustrating kind of solve for X in the culture of like, how the fuck are they making money? We were like, yeah. it really melted people's brains, <laughs> you know? Yeah, And especially if you are like somebody who's the same age and who's like working a shitty office job for no money or whatever. Yeah, writing your, like getting people to like LIMSIP. Getting people to like Lemsip. Like it's it's like I think people took to it one way or another. Either they found it sort of soothing and pretty, um, or they hated it and avoided all that kind of content, mm. like me. <laughs> yeah. Um what side of that divide did you fall on?
1: Um, I think I was always suspicious of it mm-hmm. and um hated it. Like I think I so I got Instagram in twenty thirteen and I definitely used to look down on influencers. And mm-hmm. I think now I just see it as like savvy. Business-minded, yeah, like yeah. identifying a market. Yeah, but I think I was very judgmental of influencers. I was like, they're fake, and no one notices, and like, totally. the world's a construct, and like, I think I really got my knickers in a knot about it.
0: Oh my! The, the <laughs> word that you landed on a minute ago, corrupting, was exactly the complete like. If there's a word cloud of like how people felt about influencers between this time period, it's like that is this big central word. It's like yeah. it feels like a perversion of our values as humans. Yes,
1: completely. Perversion. Yeah, that that's so true. It was perverse.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, it's sort of like a symbol of sort of late stage capitalism excess that we would people could make money off just having a good time
1: totally but which is so weird now because it's obviously like well it's marketing and all marketing like i would never look at an ad and be like you're lying you <laughs> yeah, <don't>, yeah. You <laughs> like that lem sip sir <laughs> like, it didn't <laughs> fix your cold but like um yeah it won't
0: <laughs> Maybe i've read the t's and c's it won't <laughs> um
1: but yeah if like an instagram it, like if someone did it yeah. on Instagram I would be like you're lying to me <laughs> so I think um but yeah I mean I think that now it's just it's reached a scale where everyone like realizes that so it's fine I yeah think, I think maybe there was a time where it was a little bit more underhand because we didn't have kind of uh we didn't The standards have and the
0: compliances I think they have to have now in order to stay on the app. So yeah. it's all a bit more clear. And also I think the media literacy of the people looking at the content has improved as yes, well. Yes,
1: exactly. Like I think we just look at it now and we're like, okay, well, that's their job and they're running a business. Whereas yeah. I think at the time it was like they're, a, they're just a real person who happens to
0: yeah. like holidaying in Italy. And so it seemed more underhand. Exactly. And while all these holidays in Italy were happening, Natalie was in the background... Again, very much highlighting the, the sort of friendship dynamic that we just spoke about. She was the person taking the photos, she was the person writing in her diary. And I, I think this is. A- Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected
1: medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash
0: weight loss. Whether this is a true diary extract or not, I don't know. But it, she said, um, I wish something bad would happen just so everything could look the way I feel, you know? Oh, wow. Which is, I get it, you know? Yeah. I get it. <laughs> it is very, um,
1: it's just so like. I get, I sound so passionate. I sound like an ancient sage. Like No, I'm, I know. We're like I'm, in our <laughs> early 30s. <laughs> sorry, well, I'm, not, I'm not even in my 30s, Caroline. Oh, I'm shut still. Up. A, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry. Um, but I must look 30, so that's final.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> just assumed us to be peers. Okay.
1: Um, because of our minds. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take it. Um, sorry, I'm still a child and I'm still so petty. But that is very adolescent to mm. like. Like, the kind of solipsism that is required to be like, well, if I'm having a bad mood, it better be raining. (laughs) Like, you know, the
0: world must... You better get mugged. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Um the, this is all kind of getting... She Caroline is sort of doing her sort of savvy social media marketing. Honestly, if she had come into my social marketing agency and done a talk, she could have walked away with a couple of grand easy just for a 60-minute talk because she was savvy as hell. She started like buying ad space on like fan fiction blogs and just doing everything she could to drive things to her Instagram account, getting featured in like tech news stories and influencer news stories, courting the journalists who wrote about this kind of stuff. And... um you know, also cruising the acknowledgements pages of memoirs that she loved, finding agents, and eventually, through like sheer chutzpah, got a meeting with like this, what I assume to be a top agent in the US, called uh, Bird Level.
1: Bird Level. Is that, is that a company or a person? I,
0: do you know what? I don't know. Bird Level. Bird, <laughs> bird is spelled with a
1: Y. Take my card. Bird Level. <laughs> I'm Bird Level. <laughs> I hope it's a person.
0: <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm looking at this written down, I'm like, could I have pasted that correctly? Uh, bird level. Bird level. It could be a bird. Okay, bird level. Okay. Okay, it's a bird. Um, he says, you know. <laughs> bird. bird level. So so he, she, or they <laughs> say. What did bird say? So what bird says to Caroline. What bird says to Caroline is like. You know, you got some you got some cojones coming in my office like this, but um clearly people are talking about you. Yeah. Get a book proposal together and You're um, going to be a star, you, baby. You're on bird's watch now, baby. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it. She's on bird watch. Um and this this opens a time period that will again be illuminated in the in the Natalie essay, which is um, mm, Caroline uh, solic- basically hiring Natalie to write a proposal, a very long book proposal with her that um, must have been great because it secures a $500,000 book deal.
1: Yeah. And she gets paid at least, reports vary, Mm. She gets paid between 250 and 375,000 up front. I don't see how that could be true. Okay.
0: Personally. I don't
1: know. Yeah, I mean that's never been my experience of um, yeah. selling
0: books, but um, okay. So anyway, she got some some <laughs> delineation of that money um and then sort of goes quiet for a long time. Uh during this time she is addicted to Adderall. Um Clearly, it seems to have some kind of a lot of mental health issues and I, I think it's it's probably will be clearer as we get further in the story that there's a lot of mental illness in Carolyn calloway's family. It seems like she's suffered from bouts of like mania and, and depression it It seems i'm not again we don't want to um diagnose anyone but um yeah she, uh, according to herself, she realizes that. The book that they want her to write, which is the book she's essentially been writing on Instagram for years, and apparently Natalie's been helping her to write on Instagram for years, is like this whimsical tale of an American girl in Cambridge, and it's it's very odd because she can't commit to it. She has, I think, it probably comes back to her being this aesthete who can like quote Chaucer or whatever. That she has this vision of herself as what as the author, but also. Wants to have a nice life and great things. And this is a problem authors come up with all the time, right? Like, we all want to have nice lives and be paid well for our art. But in order for our art to make money and for us to be paid well, it must be commercialized and it must be more of a product than perhaps we are comfortable with. Yeah. I think part of this is their Adderall addiction. Part of it is is being kind of a screwy twenty three year old, and part of it is not being able to handle the aesthetic identity of having uh, a kind of a commercial shitty book.
1: Oh, I see. So, do you yeah. think she wanted to write The Great Gatsby, but she'd sold yeah. the basic Emily in Paris, and exactly she's just like, yeah. she wanted
0: to write *Brideshead Revisited*. I think, yeah, okay. You know? But
1: they'd bought *Emily in Paris*, yes, and so she just, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, what do you think? That's that's my what I from gathering that from interviews and articles. That's what I.
1: Think. Yeah, I mean, it sounds... Um, but she is pu- going to publish the Cambridge Captions now, except I, I guess she's doing it in like a self-aware way, so yes. people don't think that that's necessarily her voice.
0: Whereas this was going to be a sort of a, a pulpy, fun memoir probably aimed at teenagers. Yes, you know?
1: yeah, and it was going to be her... Yeah, it was going to be the public like representation of yes. what her voice was as an author. Yes, Yeah, that tracks for me, yeah. Because I think that's the thing about the captions, they... Um, like now we look back on them and we say they're basic, and she talks about them in this quite self-aware way, but there was no self-awareness at the time. Mm-hmm. like it was her public persona was
0: like whimsy girl,
1: yeah, 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 that's so interesting. So yeah, maybe she sold a persona she didn't want to commit to,
0: yeah, and I and like when you hear her speak, I mean, there's a real thing of like she's always sort of taking the long view and like she mm. wants to mention her friends in New York in her book because she wants it to feel like Warhol's diaries and yes she and it's it's obviously it's we all know someone is a bit like that yeah. <laughs> you know but she's just very frank about it
1: right yeah so she'd overcommitted to yes. a brand that she actually didn't want to be like lumped yeah. with forever yes yeah okay that tracks for me also she was like 23 and um like I mean, yeah. I think it's interesting that as someone who's so interested in glamour and fame, she's chosen books because uh, it's just not a glamorous life, in my experience. Not
0: a glamorous life. No, it's um
1: quite dull, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and maybe it's different
0: in America. No, it's it's dull everywhere. It's always been dull. Yeah,
1: I mean, you're and you're a very successful author, Caroline.
0: Are you, you're a very done for successful you? author. I think we're we're, we're we're making a hash of it. We're making um, a go.
1: <laughs> we're having a crack. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, um, yeah, maybe she just didn't like the life. Like maybe she didn't like just being yeah. on Microsoft Word all day.
0: I mean, saying this, like I'm, as I've am as i written six books. I've uh, made my, most of my living from being an author. I'm very lucky and privileged to be in that position. I love writing. I love being alone with my work all day, every day. And I love doing this podcast as a break from that. I have still flaked on a book deal. Yeah. Like, I got signed to do a book of essays uh, about four years ago. I'm never going to do it. (laughs) Really? Never say never. No, I mean, never say (laughs) never. Well, no, yeah. Luckily, the publisher I signed it with are also my publisher who publishes all my fiction. so so they
1: know she's producing something. Exactly.
0: But um, yeah, they sort of like gave me nowhere near that amount of money. It was literally, it was in the single figures, the amount of money they gave me at the time. Single figures,
1: like a dollar. No, it was <laughs> single figure. It was no, under.
0: It was it, it was three under pounds. ten. Under ten pounds. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, yeah, it was a couple of grand. It was yeah, a few yeah, grand. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> under. Why single digits? What do I say? What did I mean you by said single that? Single figure. Single. It doesn't matter. It's so silly. It was less so than half dumb. a million
1: U.S. dollars.
0: Yeah, but then I, I realized after, and I had written a proposal, mm. and um, this this, this was twenty. 19 maybe Um, uh, I'd written a proposal I thought I had enough of life experience and quippy columns and stuff out there in the world that I could write something first person a lot of books of essays were around at that time and then every time I thought about writing it I felt sick Mm. at the idea of like I realised I have no interest in being a memoirist like I have no interest in committing that sort of version of myself or the kind of journalistic version of myself to that I I don't want to let anyone in on stuff that I you know, like yeah. I just don't I just don't care about it. It doesn't yeah. thrill me, it doesn't excite me. And it, every time I thought about that book I got sick. Wow. Now luckily I'm, you know, a prolific enough writer with other stuff that my <laughs> my publisher just let it go. Yeah. But Caroline was twenty three and crazy. See,
1: I think this is what I meant. like I just don't find it hard to believe that she didn't write it. Like she yeah, yeah as you say, it's like yeah. you overcommit, it's like kind of boring work a lot of the time yeah. and it's like uh, it's hard to write a whole yeah. book and she was so young and clearly a bit you know unstable yeah like i I think that is the most believable part of the whole saga that yeah she didn't submit this book i'm like yep
0: yeah, checks out and also i find it strange when people are like oh in the beginning of her her major scamming when she scammed this publisher it's like come on bird Level. Come
1: on, can <laughs> absorb
0: the shock. <laughs>
1: He's fine. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, anyway, no. yeah, so she doesn't submit the book.
0: Doesn't submit the book. People um, freak
1: out about this. I don't think... I, I don't know. This This still hasn't hit
0: you and I, I don't think, at this point. No,
1: actually, I didn't hit... I, I haven't... Yeah. I'm not on board yet, actually. I got on board no. quite late.
0: Yeah, I got on board during the... Well, it's actually coming up. Okay, let's uh, Um. So... She, hang on. Right, so between twenty seven and twenty eighteen, she's in a pickle. She uh is not doing super well financially. The Adderall stuff is still out of control. The um, she's not going to write her book, and she owes the publisher is a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. So presumably, a hundred grand was what she got from the. Yeah, from, from the, the advance. Um, so
1: we're, we're so into the accounting here. It's yeah. like, she, like she's in debt. We can just say I that. know, but just, as, as, like, yeah, she's in. <laughs> <"San- "San-> <laughs>
0: an- <laughs> <"San-> authors, <laughs> it just feels important. Yeah. Um, around this time, uh, she starts uh, marketing these creative creativity workshops for her. You know. 200,000 followers or whatever and again like people do this kind of shit all the time <laughs> and like there's no way that and like people default on their books all the time and like this is not hitting, this is like just normal influencer behaviour for the most part and then a someone on Twitter whose name has basically been lost to time I can't remember who they are but they're instrumental in all of this
1: oh, really? I don't know. Gosh, I'm a, on the edge
0: of my seat so essentially it's There's this girl on Twitter, can't remember her name, very sorry. It's a bit like, you know, whoever drove Archduke Franz Ferdinand to his assassination. I was just
1: thinking about that. That was my exact cultural reference as well.
0: You were thinking about Archduke Franz Ferdinand? Genuinely,
1: I was going to say, no, the sentence that had formed in my head was who shot Franz Ferdinand. And then I was like, wait, I think they know who shot him. It's some other yeah, for whatever reason, yeah, that no, cultural the, moment was also my where my, my brain was. My God, went. we're that's scholars.
0: <laughs> um, but it's like the, so. Um, I was but maybe I just think this is more important than it is because this is when I heard of it. Okay, so it was on Twitter. It's like this. Them it was something to the effect of this girl I follow on Instagram. this influencer I follow on, in- on Instagram who I hate follow, um, which is a, a, another word that's sort of fallen out of favor. I think
1: people frown on that practice, but it's literally what gets me out of bed in the morning.
0: <laughs> hate following. Yeah.
1: Love that. I just don't know why people use I don't know what people use social media for. Oh god, for I that. can't
0: I can't think about hate following oh, really? the idea of someone hate following me, which I'm sure they do, uh, is very poisonous to my heart
1: oh i'm sorry oh you're a pure soul now.
0: i am a soul. I, I really just if someone if i don't like what someone's putting out i just unfollow them oh, i love it when i don't oh, really
1: i'm like why would you put that up <laughs> give me another one <laughs> give me another yum yum <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> sorry <laughs> this is... um no it's fine it's uh maybe you're just more honest than i am uh the yeah so she this, this person i follow who i follow um is doing these creativity workshops and it's all going wrong, and it's like this long Twitter thread of like all these screen caps from Caroline, and it's like first it's like all the things she's promising for like a hundred dollars or whatever she's gonna she's gonna make flower crowns and um, all this kind of nonsense and making terrariums and mason jars and all that kind of Pinteresty craft stuff, and it's about um it was built as an, a tutorial to architect a life that feels. Full and genuine and rich and beautiful. Oh. Yeah.
1: Obsessed. Obsessed. I love that she can say architect and genuine yeah. in the same breath. <laughs> that's just everything about her, right? It's like if it's architect curated. And
0: genuine, yeah. It's not real. Oh, yeah. like, I mean,
1: it is, though. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's why she's so fascinating because it's like if you make it up and it feels real, then it might as well be real. Yeah. And you
0: can be honest about the fact that you made it up. God. I don't know. Yeah. Architect and genuine. Good. Yeah, exactly. You can't architect something genuine. Yeah. I I hadn't even thought of the, yeah, the breakdown of that quote. Bonkers. Um, She charged participants $165 a head and sold the tickets before booking venues, made promises she couldn't deliver on, orchid crowns, cooked red comma salad, and true to form posted the whole fiasco in real time, and so the internet was just following this unraveling
1: that 's right it was like creative writing workshop for our island,
0: yes, and yep. it was around the same time as well Oh, okay, so I think what we spoke about earlier on, this perversion or this mm. corruption that was really felt by the about the influencer economy in two thousand and thirteen by two thousand and eighteen it's reached a fever pitch of really wanting to see these fuckers burn.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like that our suspicions were correct and you will yes. lie all along.
0: Yeah, yeah. E- even, this is even before any essays are written, but it inspired a piece called The Empty Mason Jar of the Influencer Economy.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't know about that. Wow, so she became a metaphor for this cultural yes. thing that we all hated.
0: Yes. Wow. Now, so is this when you got involved? No. Oh, okay. Not yet. All right, well, so this is when I'm involved. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm worried that I'm talking a lot at you very No, I'm, I'm genuinely on the edge of my seat. I love this. <laughs> um, And so this should have been like one of those stories that just passes in and out with Mm. the tide you know like some fucked up girl just getting in over her head. Also it's like not that interesting really I mean she just sold an online workshop and then didn't deliver like okay yeah you know
1: there are bigger scams all the time.
0: Yeah right like it's not it's not Elizabeth Holmes like it's just not (laughs) yeah and um, you know it kind of everyone gets involved in watching this and you know it ends with her sort of like in sitting cross-legged on the floor of a Regis and them all eating like supermarket salads. And it's just like the grainy pictures that were taken at this are just like, oh, this is it. This is the empty mason jar of the influencer economy. Yep. And so it would have probably gone away, I think, if two things didn't happen. First of all is that Caroline rapidly changes her brand, I think. Which is she's, she goes from being this like whimsical, loving life, architect, something that feels genuine person to being a real like scabby, scathing, really smart, really honest presence. That's just like shooting things out, searching her name, quote retweeting yeah, people. Chaos is the brand bitch.
1: Right? That's what she said, isn't it? I think she tweeted that at one point. Yes. Yeah. She was like, actually, this, I have, comp- sorry, I'm so aware that we're like going through this timeline slowly, but um. Mm, no, it's fine. can I, I have something to say about this era for her, uh-huh. this paradigm shift. I think that this speaks to a different cultural problem mm. in the same way as we had like the empty mason jar one, mm-hmm. um, which is that, and I'm definitely guilty of this. I just think that like, I treat self-awareness as the ultimate and like curing and purifying virtue. Mm. And so it's like if someone is a bitch and a scammer and like sells out their friends, but then they go on Instagram and they're like, yeah, it's a brand. I'm there for it.
0: <sighs> I know. And
1: I think I that know. is a bit maybe something that I need to interrogate because like just because if you're aware that something's wrong, but you have no intention of changing your behavior, then that's terrible. And like we yeah. don't want like p- being ahead of the, you know, being preemptive in your PR. And like sort of confessing your crimes before everyone else finds out about them, to like be a way of exculpating them. Like
0: that, just yeah. We I feel like we should demand more. We should demand more from our politicians. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you They're know, not from but, people, but okay. but from from chicks selling mason jars. I feel like I don't know. Again, and this is the the yummy snackability of mm. the Carolyn Calloway universe. Is that like? It's never really hurting anyone. I'm sorry if you paid under sixty five dollars to go to that workshop to architect a life that feels more genuine. That's on you. I do
1: think though it is like the building block in a broader structure of like looking at people and kind of Hmm. excusing bad behavior as long as people aren't being hypocrites about it. Yeah, like I I do think that sometimes people get away with more than they should because, like, I read an article saying that like how Russell Brand had for example, mm-hmm. had cultivated quite a sort of leery, sexualized public persona, yeah. and maybe that was among the factors that allowed him the to... The
0: smokescreen that yeah, allowed him to so, operate, yeah, because of. nobody knew where the line was because his whole thing was pushing the line.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, like, obviously, like, I, that's, like, a much more serious case and, yeah, like, yeah, that's ongoing and whatever. But mm-hmm. I do think there's something about, like, as long as people are um, open about bad behavior then we let them get away with it. And I think maybe people can manipulate that cynically. Like maybe ahead of time they're like, oh, well, I'll just behave badly and then I'll tell everyone about it so then it'll be fine. Do you know
0: what I mean? No, you're right. And therefore, like, that that does appear to be the, the two options for facing public crisis now is either you go underground and you wait for another story to take precedence Which I think is like something that you see, like Boris Johnson do a lot, for Mm. example. Although he's not
1: a good example of like, he's someone who's like, well, I never made commitments to the truth.
0: Yeah. And so then people
1: are like, oh, well, he didn't really lie then, did he?
0: Yeah. It's like like this mix between either going other ground or just like obfuscating with this, as you say, this kind of um, winking self awareness. Yes. Well, never taking responsibility. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. It's yeah, that's exactly what it is obfuscating self awareness. But anyway, I'm such a sucker for it. I love it. Um, You're
0: right. It's very addictive. I agree. Yeah.
1: And like, I like, I'm more interested in and I guess like Caroline more mm. than I like Natalie. Not yeah. that that's like, not that that matters, but I, in terms of my per like my gut personal responses to them, mm. like, I would rather like have a beer with Caroline. And it's because yeah. she's so open about being a bitch, right? <laughs> which is kind of, I'm like, I just look at myself and I'm like, oh, is that a problematic way to yeah. kind of assess people?
0: But she also just like, she, she often says very fucked up things that are also very smart and true.
1: Yeah, totally. No, it's so true.
0: And it is kind of refreshing
1: in an influencer economy that is so like about people being authentic and growing and being like, I've done the work. It's so cool that yeah. she's just like... Performing her pettiness for my like, yeah. like do, I do lo- love that I
0: do love it I love it <laughs> yeah it's like it's kind of refreshing yeah and I, I also love oh, we'll get to what I also sorry, love yeah, at yeah. the end because we're still working to the time. oh my god
1: sorry we haven't even got to her mainstream <laughs> fame so. right
0: 2019 okay. two workshops go ahead in New York but the rest are cancelled attendees claim the workshops are disorganised and overpriced Caroline is called a scammer for the first time. Same year, Natalie Beach publishes an essay titled I Was Caroline Calloway on the Cut, where she accuses Caroline of being a bad friend. <laughs> a bad friend? How a dare Jesus! She? How dare she! <laughs> Do the people at Bird Levin know? <laughs> and claims to be the ghostwriter behind Caroline's early Instagram captions. So this is. This is the the thing. I'm in now. We're in now. This is where okay. I got in. Yeah. All right. I've been talking at you for a long time, so you tell me your experience of coming in.
1: Oh, um, that's all. I just read it on the cut and I was so fascinated <laughs> yeah. by it. And um, in hindsight, I think um, – and I actually wrote my first book a year after, so I think it might have, like, penetrated even deeper than I realized. Mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't conscious of it, but um, since, like, researching it for this podcast and stuff and going back and reading that original essay, I'm mm. like, oh, wow, this – I think it really had an effect on me. And, like um, – changed my thinking about those kind of um, female dynamics that we were talking about before. Yeah. yeah. So that was me. That was when I was in. And then I started following Caroline on Instagram. But interestingly, didn't even attempt to follow Natalie Beach. Right. Which is what I love. (laughs) Natalie traps herself in this dynamic. Yeah. Where she is, like, doing Caroline's work for her all the time. Like, as in, like, this article, which was ostensibly a takedown, brought her mainstream fame. Yeah. And she still casts her as the most interesting character. And, like, if that was... I think the the way that she's written about it subsequently is that she she felt like Caroline had exploited her for so long and it was, like, time for her to get something out of it. So I think it was intended to be quite a ruthless, um, self-promotional mm-hmm. exercise. Like, mm-hmm. I think she's quite frank about that. This is Natalie. But really, it just promoted Caroline.
0: Right. And it's also... And we spoke a second ago about the... Rise and fall of the influencer economy, as per the minds of ordinary people. Mm. Do you know what I mean? About mm-hmm. like, oh Jesus, this is so, um, you know, perverse. working work you come back to? Um, and corrupting, and strange, <laughs> and fake, mm-hmm. and um, beautiful but hollow. Mm. I think this Natalie Beach timeline we're entering now has a similar but up. Op- Posing kind of vibe in that like oh, it's two heads of the same coin two, perhaps in a se- okay the sort of like style of millennial confessional writing yes. that really makes a meal out of things that aren't that bad Yes. <laughs> you know they're just not that bad yes like so true. like the crux of these things is like you know I I was. On holidays with her, and sometimes I had to take photos of her.
1: It is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. That, like to think that that was published in the cut, and I think it was one of their most well-read pieces of the yeah. year. Yeah. Like that's amazing. Uh huh. And I mean, I am like, I'm absolutely the audience. Like, I laughed yeah. it up. Yeah. What oh. is that? It's like that bad art friend that happened mm-hmm. a few years ago as well. It's like people just having these very like intricate interpersonal feuds. And people just love it.
0: Yeah, of course. It's, it's that's our brains. Like, yeah. we can't blame our brains for being that way. We've only evolved to like really understand the size of villages, and so when someone's having a spat in the village, yeah. we want to hear all about so it. So true. Like,
1: yeah, because yeah, I definitely like. Yeah, I definitely wasn't interested in it because. Caroline was famous and I already knew who she was. I wow. was just interested because I was like, two That's... girls having a fight, real. Yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. And it's
0: like, and also it's like people have had enough dynamics like that yeah. where it felt interesting. And also this is the boom of, it's a different kind of boom of the sort of brunette misery economy. <laughs> yeah,
1: so what was that about? they like, yeah, what do you think that was about? That confessional first person essay boom? Like, it's very female-coded, wasn't it? It yes. was always women yeah. writing a first-person essay about mm-hmm. something bad that had happened to them.
0: Yes. Yeah, generally involving sex with an older man.
1: Yeah, it was very sexual. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't, sorry, I don't want to say it's like nothing that bad happened because some of them obviously... See, you know, of course. Some of the paradigm ones of the genre are pretty bad,
0: but yeah. But it's very, like... Exactly. I, I don't want to be like, you know, just throw people's trauma on the slack heap <laughs> and be like, right. grow up. <laughs> like, But it is very like um, long sort of passages about and we you get this in like a lot of like novels of that period as well. And maybe still of like, and I got home to my flat share and I ate pasta sitting on my single bed. I mean, I and wrote da, da, da. one of those novels. Me
1: too. Yeah. yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> Good for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm. Um, So that's something that also interests me about this whole Natalie Caroline thing. I don't, what I don't understand about either of them is why they don't make it up. Why don't they write fiction? Why don't they write fiction? I just don't get it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tell me why, Caroline. Explain it to me.
0: (laughs) Because um, novelists aren't famous not in the same way okay if you want to be a novelist and be famous you either have to be Sally Rooney or you have to be doing it for 20 years that is so wow okay God, she's wise that's it and if you like if you want to be famous that's the only way you know yeah and
1: there there was this culture for a
0: while of women like flogging their own traumas for money yeah Um, yeah I was very much there in that economy as well yeah wow were you
1: no so I was in 2019 I was in my last year of uni so I wasn't um yeah I wasn't how old are you I'm 16 (laughs) no I'm 27 also. I suppose, though, because I was the target market, because I was like uh-huh. a literary minded young woman yeah. trying to understand herself. And I read a lot of those
0: essays and bought a lot of those essays. Mm. And like, I read
1: Cat Person, that short story in the New Yorker. And like, so Cat it Person in my
0: brain like, is absolutely the example. And I really yeah. like Christina Penny, and I think she's really talented. But that is so that's what I'm getting at here. Yes. Cat Person as an artistic kind of genre mm. of like very deep female perspective that felt very, like, new. It felt like Dylan going electric at the time. But now it da- It feels very dated, yeah, you know? Yeah, di- and
1: it's, it dated so quickly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder, maybe it was a post-Me Too thing, like, because yeah. confessional, like, because obviously Me Too was a, str- like, it was a string of confessions. And, yeah. I mean, confessions implies that they've done something wrong. It was, um like, Testimony, Like, I think mm. we, it was a culture that was interested in testimony. Yes, And so, like, I think maybe there was this almost comforting... Actually, yeah. No, mm. I do have a theory about this. Do you want to hear my Girl. crazy theory? Yeah. I've been thinking about this for a while, and I think I, I was thinking about it more in the context of memoirs than essays, but I think mm. it probably still applies. I think that, like, post Me Too, post-2016, we were living so aggressively in such a a post-truth world it was like we can't Mm. trust institutions Mm. we've like all we know our critical theory we know our Foucault we realize that like traditional knowledge production is just social construct and we don't really know anything and then I think that it was like comforting to have testimony because it was like in this world where you don't know anything for sure Mm -hmm. you the only inalienable truth is your own experience and like you have the truth of your account of what you have suffered. And so I think people found it very like kind of comforting yeah. to read all these like confessional style testimonies Yeah, because it was like this extreme subjectivity was the balm to the fact that we had the kind of lost objectivity. Do you oh know my, what I
0: mean? Oh my god, Diana. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, thanks. There you go. Do you realize that I have a philosophy podcast? That's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> I'm I'm really it's really blow my hat off. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, I think you're right. I think you are right. Thank thank you. The post-truth kind of thing. And um the, what's what I didn't expect to get into while covering this subject, I really thought we would just be sort of like splashing around in this like fun paddling pool. And we are. But (laughs) um, with Bird. With Bird. And um, um, (laughs) is that I could track my personal history, my employment history through this story. Mm. And I guess it's because I've I've, you know, without thinking I've lined it out here just in years. And I think about what I was doing in 2019 um, I was so so twenty t- between twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen. I was working for this women's website called the pool. The pool. The pool. Did you have that? Did you no. get get that in Australia? No, it did not reach me. But it's kind. It's sort of the the Mama Mia. Oh, uh, uh, okay. We have Mamma Mia. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. big for us. <laughs> this, is, this is me thinking I'm amazing because I know that, <laughs> <laughs> that reference. Yeah, she's Carolina's her market. Yeah, no, Australians
1: yeah, no. are obsessed with her.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! Um, the yeah, and this this I I worked there, and it was the pool, the pool, and it was so. <laughs> uh, it sort of when it, when we launched, it would build itself as being like, the internet is such a crazy. Horrible place now, and you don 't where 's all the good stuff, and like where 's the fun, informative, interesting stuff where it 's like oh here 's like a great lipstick hack, and here 's a great skirt that um, that Zara has this week, and also here 's a really interesting story, and here 's a funny bit kind of thing, yeah, and it was interesting as the economy of the website and also the economy of websites generally shifted in even that two-year thing where it became really clear that there was no money to be made in websites and we had to keep proving to investors that we were worth investing in. And In order to do that, you have to grow. And in order to grow, you can't do that just by, like, the new viral Uniqlo bag or whatever. Uh-huh. You have to have long, shocking essays uh, that are cheap yeah. to produce and do gaga traffic, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, people... Yeah. I mean, I think people are always interested in it because it's like human drama. But yeah, I think maybe there was just a broader cultural climate then that was particularly like just gagging for like a story that you just couldn't falsify. Because it was like, well, you said you suffered and you're the only person... Who would know exactly? So.
0: so there was a taste for it, but there was also an economical reason that yeah. so many outlets were providing that because they were there was never any shortage of young women who want to break into writing yes. by talking about their personal experience, and Natalie Beach is no exception. No, and they and they will bleed for you, you know. Yeah, and I they bled will. for them as well. And what's great is that most of these websites go under, and so all of your <laughs> all of your stuff is just lying on the wind. You know, it's like yeah. it doesn't exist anymore. You know. But
1: um no, but the Natalie and Caroline's, they've bled for us and it's lasted. Yeah. Know? But I think actually I do think that's what I found interesting. Sorry, we'll get up to there in the timeline. That whole thing where I was like, why don't they make it up? That because like in 2019, that was the zenith of that culture. Mm. Like that made sense that they were producing those kind of essays. Everybody was. Why wouldn't you? But I feel like now. Maybe it's just in my own reading life I've seen so much of it, so I'm kind of personally at saturation. But I feel like we're kind of moving on. Yeah. And I just sort of, I think I was surprised that both Natalie and Caroline came out with books of essays slash Mm -hmm. memoirs in the same vein. I think think maybe Natalie surprised me more than Caroline Mm because Caroline is the brand, so, like, what else is she going to do? But with Natalie, I was like oh, why didn't you write a novel? Like, do you know, right. I was like, yeah, why was are you the trapping point of in yourself yeah. in this dynamic? Like, why you, yeah, like, just move on?
0: Move on.
1: Sorry, that sounds so judgmental, but. Yeah. Like, like I would have read a novel by her. Like, I would be so interested yeah. because, you know, they've positioned themselves as such ambitious writers. Mm-hmm. So I would have read anything that they wrote. And so it's like, why did you have to do the 2019 confessional Essay again.
0: Having said that, haven't read a book. So I don't know. Maybe, it's, very, maybe it's different. Nobody has, and I haven't seen it anywhere. Well, um... You know, and it came out with HarperCollins, I believe, right? So
1: Yeah, well, my, my favourite thing about Caroline at the moment is she posts Natalie's low sales figures on her Instagram. <gasps> Have you seen this? I
0: haven't seen this, no. Oh,
1: I wrote one down because I just was obsessed with it. What did she say? She said... Oh, yeah, I'm not going to do her voice. But she said, I found out today that since Natalie's book was announced, it sold less than 500 copies total she sold 300 copies with pre-orders 100 copies her second week and last week the whole world bought just 81 copies anyways this is why you shouldn't be a terrible person and sell out your friends (laughs) Caroline's jaws on the floor (laughs) oh
0: my god
1: that's that's in her that's like you can look that up it's on her grid it's like an Instagram caption I just read that verbatim Wow. wow yeah I mean, this wow. is why I love her. I love her. I'm like, who else is so publicly petty?
0: Because the thing is, it's like, chicken. Natalie brought a knife to a gunfight, man. <laughs> 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 so
1: true. It's like, yeah, it's like, you're writing about how she's unstable what do you think she's gonna do
0: (laughs) what do you think she's gonna do you know
1: she's unstable yeah (laughs) you
0: said as much and then she like you know Natalie writes this follow up essay this year in order to promote this book that as as Caroline's kindly pointed out nobody fucking bought not even us we're (laughs) obsessed and um, in it it's like but in that essay And within it I could even tell like Oh my own taste For this kind of writing Is, is so moved on Where it was like On the day after you know that essay I wrote about Caroline came out I had to hide and oh no I hid my poor slim brunette frame under my on my under my bed and oh no the calls, and it's like just so self-pitying for a thing you fucking asked for like I think I'm never like that I'm never like she was asking for it but on that but I was like come on you know what did you think would happen yeah Yeah, I do think as well and maybe this
1: is like an American thing um I sorry I don't want to like diagnose it but I find the both of their unapologetic ruthlessness about yeah. becoming writers is very alien to me. Mm-hmm. like I think in Australia wanting to be an artist is a bit embarrassing, yeah, it's like not something it's like something you it's like a dream you might hold very tight to your chest right as a teenager, but like when you're like twenty two if you're at a party and you're like oh, I want to be a writer. Yeah. I do think people would laugh at you. I mean, I don't know. I never said that out loud because I imagined that people would laugh at me. Like,
0: Also, if you want to be a writer, write a book. <laughs> write a book, yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know. But, like, they're, they're just both so, like, well, I want to be a writer and in order yeah. to make that happen I need to sell out my friends. So, of course, I did it. And yeah. I just don't – I feel like that logic doesn't follow for me and I'm like maybe it's because I'm from a culture where it's not as – um encouraged for people to be that ambitious maybe like I'm like maybe is it a tall poppy thing that (laughs) we're kind of like shy about like being like unbridled having unbridled ambition I don't know but I I just find it very like I I think that it's the one quality that both Natalie and Caroline absolutely have in common Mm -hmm. and I find it very unusual yeah I don't think I know anyone like that and I'm also like why don't you want to do something more glamorous to yeah, really point. I just find it very like I'm like why do you want to be a writer so badly?
0: I know, I think for in in Caroline's case, I think she just wants to not just be a writer but awaken a figure of a writer that doesn't exist anymore. Like she, mm. you know, that sort of like literary brat pack in the 80s of like Bret Easton Ellis and Donna Tartt and like the idea of of writers on the cover of those magazines, you know? I and think actually, she wants to reawaken that. I and, must say, Fox.
1: <laughs> I think that that's awesome if she does because yeah. AI is coming for us and yeah. like when we get to a point where a computer can write the same book, the only difference will be whether people care about the cultural figures. Yeah. And Caroline is like giving us something to care about. So that is actually
0: awesome. This is it. And also, and we must wrap this up because we yeah, had sorry. a tap on the window. Like we're running out of time. But also, in a work, like people, like they want, I'm sure lots of people want to be famous and literary, not just Caroline Calloway. Lots of people are pining for that dream. They are just, they don't have, um, Sort of what it takes to create it, because we're also ter- we're all terrified of getting cancelled. Every mm. author is terrified of getting cancelled, even if it's totally baseless. Like every author I've ever met is like, in in chapter seven, I'm I'm kind of I'm sort of nervous that like maybe the character maybe it, it feels a little bit phobic Can you just look at it? I don't yeah. want to get cancelled. And it's like nobody cares. Nobody's reading that closely, and like all there's like nobody is like speaking like nobody is like saying trashy things about other authors. Basically. Authors aren't creating literary gossip anymore. So everyone's so well behaved. That's yeah, very true. So well behaved. Yeah. You know? And like, yeah, books books have become a very tame art form, I think. And I think that's, that's surely, a criticism for me. And surely
1: that's also because there's just not much money in it. Like, um, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not rivers of gold out here. And like yeah. the days of like long lunches. Exactly. Are kind of
0: over. All right. We need to wrap Sorry. up. Yeah. But <laughs> essentially, we um, <laughs> we'll take this. Oh, we've 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 skipped some things because we are running out of time in this studio. Um, but we've essentially in the in the modern day, <laughs> we're we're up to scratch. Caroline has self published her memoir Scammer. Neither of us could get a copy of it, uh, even though my assistant Meg, who works on this podcast with me, she tried. So hard, like Anne Hathaway in Devil Wears Proud, like getting the unpublished Harry Potter <laughs> manuscript to get a PDF for us. She could not do it because it's all through Caroline and basically if you ha- I- I've gotten DMs from Caroline in the past being like, Babes, want my book or whatever? And I'm like, Yes, please send it to me and then just like nothing. Well, <laughs> like
1: Yeah, and you have to PayPal her personally, 65 US dollars yeah. to buy it like on the market. And it's called scammer, and she's famous for being a scammer. And I'm like, I'm not going to PayPal you sixty. And you, and you also all. don't know
0: when you're going to get it. No, it's like all. when
1: when the whim strikes, she'll um, yeah. pop it on
0: in the post. But awesome. I th- but I think what's going to happen now is it's going to get picked up by a major publisher. She's made a fortune selling it personally. Yeah, people, the reviews are really great. Like people are really enjoying it.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm. I hope that it gets picked up by a major publisher. I, I'm gagging to read it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be one of those like. Things that we see everywhere next year.
1: Yeah, do you reckon? Yeah, okay yeah.
0: Like, it'll be unavoidable. Like every airport, it'll be in it. Um.
1: Also, there have been rumors that Lena Dunham is it Lena or Lena? Lena. Yeah. Okay. She. She. There's been rumors that Lena Dunham optioned it, and mm-hmm. I would absolutely love
0: to see that film. And the book is dedicated to Lena Dunham, so like, to, get her her her, to, to get her attention. To get her attention, I guess, because I think Lena Dunham options a lot of things. Um. That is the end of our Caroline Calloway episode. It could go on so much longer. But um, what is our final takeaways, take-homes on this? It goes to startups. And? Startups need funding. Okay. (laughs) Uh, so Diana Reid, uh, you are a real author <laughs> who makes yeah. things up for I a I made living. it up. You made it up. Uh, tell us about your made-up books.
1: Um, so I have two books. One is called Love and Virtue, which is um, – that's my first book that explores a similar dynamic mm. to this. And then um, my most recent one, which came out in the UK maybe two months ago, is called Seeing Other People. And um, that one is about a um, two very different sisters who fall in love with the same woman. Oh, I love that.
0: only from rustolium